Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I am your host, Huzaifa, as always. And we are continuing our trend. Well, really upping the ante, but continuing our trend of interviewing amazing entrepreneurs and incredible ed tech companies from around the world. And today we have Rashawn Richards from Explain Everything. Now, if you're not familiar with Explain Everything, well, it's good that you tuned in so you can learn about it. But what Explained Everything is, is a presentation app that works like an interactive whiteboard, allowing for easy communication with students, colleagues, and customers. Now, I know about Explained Everything because being working in the education system at a private school, I see it being used and promoted all the time as a great, great learning tool. And I've got the chief learning officer of the company on with me today to literally explain everything about explain everything. So it's it's really cool and I'm very excited. And the last thing I want to say before we jump into the interview is that explain everything has a really cool story. And as long as I am remembering it correctly from what I read on the entire story on the company website, it actually began with podcasting, which is super cool because I'm very passionate about podcasting. So without further ado, let's kick it off. Rashan, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. So before we jump into anything, how would you just, what is Explain Everything? Well, I like to think of it as a, a platform that allows people to inspire understanding in others. So the, the goal has been to have a really kind of broad definition of learning and how you communicate ideas and build ideas and make them understandable to others using as many different types of modalities and approaches because there are so many different types of learners and communicators. Now, I see that as well all constantly because I'm a teacher. I'm also a private tutor. And I think especially on the private tutoring side, I get to see all these different students one-on-one with different teachers up against different types of curriculums. And you see that it's so absolutely true. Now, some of the content that I've used is math music videos, and some kids love it, some kids don't. So you see that, uh, or, or just straight up lecturing, it's it's a variation. I think that's really important. So give, can you run us through an example of how how would an ideal teacher and student use this? I think from the teacher perspective, from an instructional design approach, the idea is to give as many tools and choices for that teacher to be equipped with to create you know, an, an equitable learning experience. So what I mean by that is not necessarily, not every kid needs the exact same experience, but they need maybe the same amount of attention and opportunity to reach whatever that agreed upon goal is. So in my ideal world, and in great scenarios that I've seen, it's where a teacher recognizes, you know what, this one student is going to be fine, you know, working on this problem in isolation. These two students, you know what, they'll be better 
working together, talking through a problem. The student will be better taking a, uh, a device and having a screencasting tool, like explain everything or anything else, and to go record and talk through their thinking and listen back and play and hear it. So it's really the best environment is actually not where like, oh, you walk in and every single stu- student is using the same tool in the same way, but rather a teacher has actually recognized that you can have these great tools and not just explain everything to be able to create an ideal learning environment that's meeting all the students where they are and helping to lead them where they need to be. That makes a lot of sense. Tell us a little bit about your particular background in education. Sure. So I'm a longtime uh, math teacher. That was what I did right out of college. I was a fifth and eighth grade math teacher, and I was hired as a low-level tech support person. That was actually my first introduction to computers in schools, being the the guy who fixed printers and connected cables and, you know, imaged the computer lab and all of that stuff. And I got very interested as I was learning about the teaching profession in the intersection of math instruction uh, and technology. And eventually I went back to grad school to actually study (laughs) this intersection more and then got into roles of working around educational technology support and, you know, working my way into administration. And now I teach at the higher ed level um, at Teachers College at Columbia University in New York City. And then early in my doctoral work and maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years into my teaching is when I got introduced to this idea of screencasting or, or whiteboarding and screencasting. But at the time it was using, you know, a big interactive whiteboard, my PC, a USB microphone. And I actually wasn't interested necessarily in using it for my own instruction or tutorials. So the first case actually was because I got called on jury duty. So I made these like short supplemental videos for my sub to use. And then I got really curious about this process. And I think that the light bulb went off for me when I created a project. This was for an eighth grade class where the students were producing these screencast recordings. And something clicked where I said, wow, this is actually shedding a real light on how they talk through their thinking, but also make that, that captured process transferable and portable. So it was something to be shared with their advisor, other teachers, with their parents, with their co- classmates. And this, this capturing the moment part was far more interesting to me than whether or not they actually solved the problem correctly. That's so cool. And by the way, that's math is my passion. That's what I teach. So we should definitely talk about that at some point. But that leads me to my next question. Explain everything sounds like an amazing presentation tool for a wide variety of subjects. And maybe it's not the first thing that pops into mind for most people anyways, for mathematics. So I can already see how you could use it in a multitude of ways for math. Can you expand on that? How have you seen it used creatively for math education? Sure. So I think the, I don't want to call it the low hanging fruit in any kind of way that would diminish anyone who uses the tool this way. But I think the most approachable use case that we've seen with educators and math educators is as a instructional delivery tool. So whether you're using the whiteboard in a live setting, so, you know, an iPad, a Chromebook, a laptop, whatever it is connected to a projector and just being able to use the whiteboard in the same way you might have used, you know, a traditional interactive whiteboard. We've seen people using it that way because of, I guess, it's such a familiar way to do it. Then the next step of that is creating 
kind of video-based instructional material, whether it's um, supplemental or advancement, sometimes remediation, sometimes, you know, substitutive where you're, you know, people who subscribe to any kind of like flipped or, uh, you know, reverse methodology to, to create a reviewable, watchable, but personalized uh, video content piece so that when you actually are in the room together with the other students, that time could be much more purposeful than like just to stand and deliver and listen and take notes experience. So I think that's, that's kind of the initial places that I, that we see people um, using the tool or using the platform. And then it starts to extend once students start to use the whiteboard in the same way that their instructors are. So taking notes and being able to use the things that are possible digital, digitally, but not possible on paper, whether it's the types of media you can bring in or zooming in and around, kind of resequencing and um, reordering one's thinking. Um, that's where we've seen that, you know, people who started kind of with just the direct instruction, slowly evolving their practices. They've gotten more familiar with, their tool, with the tool and then have put their students in position to start kind of taking more um, not control, but maybe more ownership of how they're engaging with the technology. And then there's all sorts of other things from, you know, creating templates or interactive experiences. It's, you know, it presents as a presentation tool because that's familiar, but it's really kind of a place for, for sharing ideas and thinking. That's great. Now I know it's been wildly successful. If I remember correctly in the first year, the first week you had 10th, that tens of thousands of downloads, something like that. And then the first year you had a hundred thousand downloads. Maybe, maybe I'm not getting that exactly right. Where are you at now in terms of downloads for the app? Um, yeah, it's, it's many more than that now. Cause it's, it's, it's been over six years, at least since the, uh, the iOS, the iPad version was, I mean, that that's already in the, it's probably close to like 4 million downloads. Um, wow. but you know, in the, in the last two years, you know, we've been doing some stuff on our side to try to, again, re- reach a wider audience because of our, you know, the wide net we're trying to cast when it, when it comes to teaching and learning. Uh, and it's not just about K-12, but, you know, it's all aspects of life where you're, you're in a learning situation. So, you know, we made a Chrome or an Android version, a Windows version. Um, that Android version now has been ported over to the Chrome version. Uh, a web experience will be coming soon. I think I'm allowed to say that. Uh, some of my colleagues might not like that I sh- shared that here. You can leave that in. Maybe by the time this is published, uh, it will actually be available. So we're um, soon this this metric of number of downloads uh, will almost become less relevant just to the number of people that are actually experiencing Explain Everything as a platform. Uh, and, you know, from our side, it's, you know, are we making a good impact and helping people achieve what they're trying to do as far as their communication and teaching and learning. Now, when we talk about the projection capabilities, the whiteboard capability, how would you comp- uh, compare Explain Everything to just simple apps like uh, Whiteboard Fox or uh, what is it called? A whiteboard app, A-W-W-A-P-P, websites like that. How would you con- compare and contrast? So, you know, currently, you know, we do have both this, this web experience, but the, the main focus has always been our, our native app or native apps, which, you know, take real full advantage of whatever platform they're running on. And so because of that, you know, we're able to add a lot of really 
you know, depth, uh, sorry, a lot of deep features and a wide variety of ways and types of content that you can either create or bring in. Um, you know, if you were going to do, depending on, depending on your use case, the, um, you know, some other tools that might have less features might actually help you achieve that well, um, in the near term. And, you know, that's, that's great because, you know, you can have like this kind of very focused and bounded experience. And we've really focused on, you know, not limiting how you're able to, or the types of things or, or outcomes that you're trying to achieve. So I think the first thing you would notice if you were doing a one-for-one comparison would just be kind of the features. And then the second element, like the main, one of the big parts of us is not just the whiteboard part, but the recording and capturing. So it was not just about how you, uh, what you're able to show in that moment, but then how do you capture that moment? And then most importantly, how do you make it easy for somebody, for you to share it to somebody, whether you're sharing a video or sharing an image or um, inviting them into like a, a synchronous live whiteboarding session. That, that sharing element has really been something we've been um, really attuned to because the, the experience or the knowledge or whatever you've captured in that moment is only as good uh, as the audience that, it, that it's able to reach and make an impact on. That makes a lot of sense. Do you find that most of your downloads or most of your users come from essentially one-off students getting the software or more so from licensing arrangements or kind of group deals with schools? Uh, it's We've seen uh, historically far more institutional deals than kind of the individual or the, or the one-off. Um, I think, you know, our our launch or our release coincided with the growing trends around schools doing some sort of one-to-one deployment, whether it was iPad or more recently Chromebook or, you know, as schools have matured or now three, four or five years into their programs, they're actually now realizing what the actual needs are instead of kind of projecting what they might be when you introduce a program. And because our tool has been something that works across platforms and, uh, really across disciplines and age levels, we've seen it fit really well into systems that are looking at kind of site-wide deployments. And what about homeschooling? Uh, people who are engaged in homeschools, is it, have, you seen, have you seen it work effectively in those environments? Oh, absolutely. It's both like homeschooling and, as you mentioned, um, tutoring ecosystems and those kinds of things, we've seen um, a ton of... Uh, really interesting use cases, whether it's, uh, you know, there's there's a group in uh, South Africa who basically has made a whole, like, kind of pre-med education content library using our tool, um, you know, through a, through a site that they've created, but then they also facilitate kind of distance-based coaching um, as one of the services that they offer. Um, there's certainly tutors who we've seen, you know, because they're meeting across distance or you know, usually a, a voice only or video chat, you know, it's great for a personal experience, but you can't necessarily get your, 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 your audience, you know, with the student that you're working with, you can't get their attention to the thing that you want them to see. So we'll see often in cases like people will take their iPad, connect it to um, like whatever machine they're using for their, their call. So I don't know if you, I know you've used Skype, but like Zoom, any of those tools support screen sharing. But what people will do is connect, explain everything, and then share that screen. And now they've got a really robust whiteboard for being able to draw 
their audience's attention towards the thing that they intended to rather than saying, okay, now look at this page. Hey, are you looking there? Are you sure you're seeing what I'm seeing? And like, you know, the, the main thing in, in these tutoring experiences, especially the ones across distance, is how do you kind of confirm and validate understanding? And we've seen the ability to have a great whiteboarding experience as, as a, a means to get closer to that. Now, I use this type of this type of experience all the time in because I have a lot of clients around the country that don't live in LA and I have a very simple set and I'm familiar with explain everything and I actually want to try this because I haven't done so yet but let me explain my setup and then I want to talk about in a hypothetical situation how I would instead replace it with explain everything so what I use, it's it's very simple, and I, I only use it just by convention because I've been using it for four years. But I u- either use Whiteboard Fox or AWAP, and I just send the URL of the shared screen to the other side. I call either via phone or via face uh, FaceTime audio. I don't even have a video connection most times just because it, it tends to be easier without, without that additional visual. And then I use a Wacom tablet because I like to draw on that. And a Wacom tablet, if you're not familiar, if people are listening not familiar, it's just like what artists use to make drawings and graphic design on a computer. It's literally a pad with a, a pen, a stylus. And let's say I were to now switch over to explain everything. Would I, would me and my student then need to download the app or how, you know, how would the process work in contrast? So the, the thing that I mentioned earlier about that web experience that's coming is that you'd be able to do exactly what you just described, but um, without needing to download the app, you could just, you know, open up a browser tab. You could start a whiteboard, invite, somebody to join and the voice would actually be mediated through that as well. And you'd also be able to record and capture the whole thing. So it would kind of subtract um, some of those uh, additional elements though. If you're operating from like a desktop or laptop and you're using a external, you know, writing thing for the, for the inking, um, you would still need that. So, you know, here, here, this, you bring up a good example. So like, you know, you're a pretty sophisticated user and like you got the, patience and the objectives to kind of work through that kind of setup. And you probably deliver a really nice experience for your audience. Um, what we're aiming to do through like um, our platform and some of the decisions we're making is how do you reduce the complexity of that? So it doesn't take, you know, somebody who's super, super tech savvy and uh, has a lot of patience for, you know, all the different bugs that might come up to be able to create that same type of experience because it's so powerful when you're able to actually achieve it. So, um, you know, I think, you know, even just today, you'd be able to, if you, um, if you had a, an iPad or a Chromebook or, you know, there's a windows version too, you'd be able to, um, start, start a whiteboard session and then be able to share a link. But today you would need the app, but you know, in about two months you won't. I'm absolutely going to try it and I'm actually, I'll try it and I want to talk to you again after I do. And if it ends up being my, my replacement, I'm going to do a, a whole nother episode. I'll just do an episode talking about my experience, but that's really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, just as this has just popped into my head, something I'm curious about. I don't know if you're familiar with a company called Wiseant, but they're a huge tutoring platform. And, and that's how I initially began my education career, which only began about four years ago. I, I was a patent attorney before then. So it's it's been a transition, but an amazing one. Wiseant, I think, is incredible. And I could see them if once once the web app becomes available, I could see this being used 
widely by tutors on that platform. Is that something you guys have thought about? I mean, yes, I wouldn't say that like we've been, you know, like the way that business people would kind of target, you know, a specific uh, vertical or audience or use case. But I think what it does fit into is somebody who's trying to, you know, create an easy entry point for that target audience like the web uh, and to be able to have a really powerful, very visual sharing experience. So, um, you know, the people... Uh, who, who do the type of work that you do or these larger organizations that um, are really facilitating these both kind of tutoring, coaching, you know, you want to call it blended or, or, or online learning experiences. Um, for sure, that's a huge part, you know, but at the same time, we always want to hold true to the fact that, you know, nothing will replace humanity and the value of like, you know, being close and being proximate and, you know, forming, you know, lasting connections with people, but then, you know, when presented with constraints like distance, time, all of those things, we look at our tool as a way to kind of bridge it so you can have kind of this closer, more personal experience. For people who are listening and want to check it out, want to learn more, where can they go? You should go to www.explaineverything.com. That's the best place to start. Um, As of January, we're going to have a new uh, updated brand and uh, website relaunch and the, this web experience that I described is all going to be part of that. So for 2018, there's a, a lot of big things coming. All right. Very cool. And last thing I just want to touch on super quickly. I know the origin story with Photo Puppet and, and I believe that you joined after Photo Puppet came out. Can you just touch briefly on that, on that story? Because I, I just thought it was cool that it was born out of the idea of or the passion for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah, so my now two co-founders um, in, who are in, in Central Europe, in, in Poland, in Wrocław, Poland, um, they were already kind of doing things like uh, podcasting and video podcasting. You know, this is back in the early 2000s. And uh, one of the uh, guys, Piotr, had gotten uh, this idea to create uh, an animation app because there were these funny types of cartoons he wanted to create but didn't have the platform that he wanted to to make it real. So he just decided to build it. And then while he was in the middle of that, he, uh, oh, the iPad had come out. The iPhone had been out, but then the iPad came out. And then uh, the product or the app he was, the software he was building before wasn't ready yet. So he actually decided to port the code base and start building it on iOS. And, you know, they released this app called Photo Puppet, you know, within months of, the first iPad coming out and I was already very keen to understand the things that were coming out on iPad. So I was paying attention to like every app that had been released that within a given day. And back then you could actually track it. Like there would only be like 30 and five of them would be paid and 25 would be free. So I would literally check out every single app that had come out that day for, for, for iPad. And I, I did that for months. And one day this photo puppet app was one of the things that I checked out and I thought it was really neat that the UI and the UX were not so great, but the engine I could see uh, was quite powerful. And, you know, fast forward about six months when I was very serious about the things that I wanted to research, which were around whiteboarding and screencasting and uh, assessment. Um, they, these two guys in Poland were on my list of people I contacted about 
seeing, can you help me build a research instrument? And they said, well, what you describe, we think we have a lot already built into the back of Photo Puppet, which is not a commercial success right now. So would you want to try to make this into a business venture? And I had no, you know, no idea about anything having to do with business. And I said, okay, sure, because it was going to be much cheaper <laughs> than trying to do it all myself. And um, you know, some, some of the risk would be shared. So that's how we came together, me in New York and these two guys in Poland. And so that's back in 20, um, 2011, like the spring of 2011, when we decided to do it. And then, you know, now, now the company, you know, has grown significantly and, uh, you know, we have three offices and, you know, 60 odd people. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's so great. So, and by the way, thank you again for joining today. I know you have an extremely busy schedule. We've managed to work around our time differences, you being in New York, me being in Los Angeles, but this was fantastic. And once again, I'm just going to say that website, it's www.explaineverything.com if you want more information. It's such a fascinating, fascinating story again. So Rashawn, thank you so much for joining. Guys, uh, if you want any more information, you didn't get that URL, you want to read the write-up, just go to www.scalerlearning.com and make sure to check back every week for new episodes. If you haven't done so yet and you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, make sure to do that. Go to YouTube and search for Scalar Learning and subscribe. We've got new live streams coming out every week on SAT Prep and new math music videos dropping once a month. Thank you guys so much for joining, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar Learning.